0: and welcome to another episode. I'm so excited to share this episode with David McCuller. He's so interesting and I feel like I just learned a ton from him and I'm really excited to see what you guys will have to say. Um, Before continuing the episode, I'm just going to make two plugs that are actually like related to my life right now um, and are in regards to my current sponsors. So as always, I Uh, I want to talk about BetterHelp because they have just been so amazing. Um, And I just think that if anyone is interested in, you know, dipping their toes into therapy and counseling, it's a really great way to get started. Um, I actually got my dad to sign up, which was a huge, you know, upheaval. But he is very interested in it. And he likes to call it like the, the Uber of of therapy because you're getting like the best and the brightest of all these different therapists from around the world in a, um, you know, one platform. So if you live in somewhere that doesn't have access to great therapy or great therapists, you may be working with someone who's just extremely qualified. So I would really encourage you all to check it out. And you just could go to try dot slash Zoe. That's try better help. H E L com slash Zoe Z O E. And then the second um little plug I wanted to give is to a new sponsor, Camuso Design. I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen this necklace. It's called the Shift and it basically hangs from your neck and it's it looks like a gold straw, but it's to help regulate your breathing and to really help, you know, shift into a, a de stressed, relaxed mindset. And it's funny because I had just kind of secured the partnership. And spoken with the, the founders, and then I was recording this episode, and I, I noticed a silver necklace around David's neck, and I was like, oh, that looks familiar. And turns out he's also been using it, so he knows his stuff. And I think if he's using a shift necklace, then um, he, you know you can definitely know it's coming from somewhere great. And I am really excited to have an offer that is um, unlike any other brand ambassador. You know, subtle flex. But you can get 20% off your Camusa design if you um, use the code ZOE in checkout. And yeah, I would really recommend it. I have the gold one, it's beautiful, and it just uh, it's like a constant reminder to stay present. So, yeah, that you can just go to CamusaDesign.com, check them out, and then use the code ZOE at checkout. Anyways, without further ado, here is David. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I'm so excited to be here with David McCuller, who is the founder and CEO of Inception. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate
0: it. So just for some background first, uh, where are you from? How old are you, if you want to say? where did you grow up? Um, just like tell me your story, basically.
1: Yeah, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. Um, I'm 40 years old. I was born and raised there. I lived there for probably about 17 years of my life before I moved to South Florida. Lived in Fort Lauderdale, Miami area for about five, six years and transitioned my way back to Michigan um, before starting uh, my business.
0: Great. And when you were growing up, did you ever struggle with mental health? And if so, like, in what ways?
1: Um, you know, hindsight 2020 and you go back now, I can see that I had, I had uh, anxiety for probably, you know, ever since I can remember, Mm -hmm. um, dealing with that, um, used to chew on pen tops a lot, used to chew my t-shirt, used to chew on ice. And the reason why I'm describing these things, because most people wouldn't think that as being abnormal, but. From my own journey and spending a lot of time in the uh, neurophysiological world, what I was really trying to do is dissipate the anxiety out of my body. Just maybe through chewing pen tops. Some people, they'll maybe shake their leg. Well, now they call that restless leg syndrome. But really what that is, is trying to dissipate unresolved mental, emotional energy within the body. So, so yeah, I was dealing with that. Um, my parents both grew up in you know alcoholic households. So they, that's where their anxiety stem from. And then, you know, as, as, as being a kid, you just really pick up, even through small, minute ways, you know, levels of anxiety from, from the environment.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you said, like, that you name those things because that's something I found when talking to my parents is, like, my mom will say something. She's like, no, 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 I'm just superstitious. I'm like, that's not superstition that's anxiety or that's, you know, right. a number of things, which is when we mask it under these other words and things, it just adds to the stigma. So um, I think right. it's cool that you, you explained it that way. And
1: but that's like people who say, you know, oh, that's just my personality. I'm high strung. It's like, no, you probably lived in a trauma-based environment and now your nervous system is activated and you have to protect yourself.
0: Exactly. So it's not
1: your personality it's not who you are. You
0: can work you know, on it, yeah.
1: You, you are not. I always tell people, you are not your defense mechanism.
0: Yeah, I like that. And then when you were, I mean, you said hindsight's twenty twenty. But at any point, did you like seek therapy or do anything like that um, when you were younger? No,
1: no I knew um, my parents were in therapy for a, for a bit, um, but but I never went to any traditional talk therapy at that time. It's not until I really got into my uh, later 20s that I really started diving in. Well, actually, in my early 20s, I was diving into that world, but not in the traditional mental health way.
0: Got it. And so what interested you in mental health in your 20s um, that kind of drove you to start Inception and the businesses that preceded it? Well, I think...
1: The, the catalyst is that I was always interested in growth, human potential growth. How do I become better? Right now, I, I got turned on to Anthony Robbins. I was about 21 years old. No, no, you're familiar with Tony Robbins. So Tony Robbins, um, when you start looking at this self-help world, even the spiritual world, a lot of people may not realize that what they're really trying to do is overcome limitations, and most of our limitations is from our stressors and our traumas that we've experienced in our life. And these are the things that brings us to, that makes up the totality of our mental health. You know, mm-hmm. if, again, if you lived in an environment where there's a lack of safety and you went to a school where there was a lack of safety, well, that's too much for your nervous system to have that, you know, to handle. So I got into I got into the self-help world really just wanting to improve myself. And I was using some alternative-based um over-the-counter if you want to call it therapies like i was using um jose silva alpha mind training was one of the first things i got into uh then i got into binaural beats with uh um center point research um and bill harris who actually passed away recently um so i was using that in my early 20s now you can pull up binaural beats on youtube <laughs> and at this time i just had a cd yeah so i was you some type of you know over-the-counter neurobased technologies just again for try to do self-help improvement but not knowing that I was dealing with underlying anxiety. Um in my I was about 25, 26, I was playing basketball and I went up to block a guy's shot and I fell on my back. And when I fell on my back everything locked up. And from at that point on and it's I can now look back and see that it was from that one event I already had accumulation of stress, accumulation of, you know, anxiety. But when I had that physical injury, that locked everything up. Now I'm having full blown panic attacks. So when I look at mental health, I don't look at it from just a psychological aspect. I looked at it from this totality because no system in our body uh, is injured alone or heals alone or moves in isolation. They all work together. And Anthony Robbins really kind of turned me on to that understanding of the mind-body connection and understanding that most people you see who are really happy, they don't walk slumped over. Right? Yeah. The body follows your mind, you know, and then too, your, your body, um, your mind can follow your body. If you move in a specific way, you know, they've done certain studies where they gave people, just told them to smile in front of a mirror for five minutes. Well, that changes your neurochemistry that changes a lot of different things just from, changing your physiological physiological structure of your body so when i was 27 i found another technology that was like basically it was like the the holosync the jose Silva mind training on steroids but it actually used what was called brain mapping to map the brain to be able to see specific energetic imbalances in the brain and made those imbalances, made a correlation to those imbalances based on whether a person was in fight or flight response or in freeze response. So from the time of 2007, I had went to Arizona, used that technology for myself, saw my anxiety decrease by 50% in one day, which is unheard of in pharmacology. From that point, me and my dad brought that technology back here to Michigan, and we created our first business, which was called Neuro Fitness Center. So I was already on the, the cusp of the, the, the wave of brain fitness. You know, now fast forward, you fast forward seven, ten years after that, I created Inception, which is basically a rebrand of Neuro Fitness Center and brought all these other tools that I had used that I found was the best because I had been done over like 64 different alternative therapies within a ten-year time frame. So I brought the best ones in under one roof, and made them affordable and made it into this mental health gym model that a person can come in off the street, whether they have anxiety or don't even know they have anxiety, and still benefit without having a diagnosis, without having any type of stigma surrounding it. You just want to improve your life. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you were like me, who were at their wits end, I was at my wits end. I wanted, I would do anything at that point. And I was doing it all an alternative way. So we we see a wide range of people based on that. So that's kind of like that journey in a nup- nutshell, uh, encapsulated of all the you know things I had done to like really help myself. So inception is really about was about me first um, and helping myself get better.
0: That's so interesting. So when I have so many questions. So for the, the brain mapping. Would you Mm -hmm. see parts of your brain that, you know, I mean, I wish I actually studied biology and knew more of the neuroscience behind it, but would you see parts Mm -hmm. like, is that when you see them light up that like things that are triggered or things like that?
1: Right. So we would do assessments and then assessments that we would do, we would have people close their eyes and just be relaxed. We would have them partially uh, close their eyes, which is a transition from open to close. Mm -hmm. And then we would have them open their eyes and do a specific task. So we would do it over six different lobes of the brain, from the frontals all the way back to the occipital lobes. So when we mapped the brain, it was like we we're looking at a map that shows a ratio of numbers. And time these ratio of numbers was a, let's say if you have 100 on one side, 50 on another, that's an imbalance, right? Yeah. We want the lobes to have a, a symmetry to it. We wanted them to have a, uh, a synchronization and, and to move in what we call a balance and harmony. And what we saw with people coming in was that their, their temporal lobes, which has to – it's the closest area you can get to the amygdala, which has to do with that fight, flight, freeze, uh, you know, fear center. Mm-hmm. We would see people's imbalances uh, clear as day on you, you could not um, not see what you just saw, right? Yeah. So, so what happened was the, te- the technology we were using, we were um, – And the guys we were connected to, they were working with a gentleman by the name of Bob Scare, Dr. Bob Scare, who's a neurologist, and he's written many books on trauma. And so he was telling the gentleman who owned the technology that we were using, he said, what you're looking at is not necessarily imbalances because the brain just doesn't have its own neurochemistry that can't keep up. It's because the brain is in trauma. Brain is stuck. So our brains literally, our brains and our body will go into states of protection and stay like that because the brain wants to keep you alive and safe from things that deems threatening. It doesn't care that you can't sleep at night.
0: Mm-hmm. It doesn't care that
1: you can't focus and concentrate in school. It doesn't care that you're not your happiest.
0: Yeah, those are all like signs that you're like, because it's you, like, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so the brain really is it's, it's about living. So, yeah, that, that's what we would see with the brain. Is, and that's the main thing that we would see most people come in with is that most people, even after years after a traumatic event, the brain was just locked down and stuck in that pattern.
0: Yeah. So I actually, I um, I found you through the Earn Your Leisure podcast and you were talking about trauma and how, you know, there's trauma. I, I feel like normally it's associated with like a big event of like mm-hmm. You know, like you're in a car crash or something like that. But really trauma is, as I think you said, just an accumulation of smaller things in your past that kind of add together also have an effect. It's like, um, you know, like it's almost like a synergy. is like the sum of all of its parts kind of thing.
1: Yeah, so you have different types of traumas. You have hard traumas, which car accident, right? And see the hard trauma. When I work with clients who had hard traumas, it was way easier to work with them because that's a one and done event, mm-hmm. unless you've been in multiple car accidents. But for the mm-hmm. most part, that's still a a shock trauma. It was a shock to the system. And but when you have developmental trauma, which is ongoing, let's say you live in a household where you know you see things that or things are being done that you don't feel comfortable with and you try to speak up about it, but then you shut down. Well, you gotta understand, your brain has to process that as threat. Then you're not able to speak your truth, you know, have a voice. Mm-hmm. So, as you get, so as you get older, and if you live in an environment where that was ongoing, now you get older and you attract someone who does the same thing that would happen in your environment.
0: Where they wow. would shut you down,
1: where you would try to speak your truth and they wouldn't allow you to do that. Because now your brain, sees that pattern as is is used to that pattern right
0: that's so so crazy yeah that's like i mean all the things like in you know and as cliche as it is like oh you if you're a woman um or a heterosexual woman like you know a bad relationship with your father then you get into a bad relationship with someone else like wow that's crazy yeah
1: Yeah. it's all neuro 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 neurologically related so um your brain is just really a, a creature of patterns and habits you know and even even a bad pattern becomes a familiar pattern so have you heard ever heard the statement that a unfamiliar game or unfamiliar a familiar pain is greater than an unfamiliar game Meaning yeah you're familiar with the pain you know even though on the other side of the door can be the greatest thing for you. Because you don't know what's on the other side of that door, you rather stick in what you know.
0: Yep, a hundred percent. It's why people are afraid of risks and change. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and change. I guess kind of going back to, uh, I forget what you first called it—the neural gym, or oh,
1: neural fitness, the neural fitness neural center. Fitness. Mm-hmm.
0: So I I love that idea because it destigmatizes and kind of normalizes the concept of you know, taking care of your mental health, just as you would your physical health. So was that mm-hmm. y- your initial goal with it? Like, did you know that you were trying to break that stigma when you started it?
1: Honestly, I didn't know there was a stigma. I, I knew nothing about that. I just was, again, in that mind state of peak performance. And I had an issue and I want to get better. Mm-hmm. Doesn't everybody want to get better? That's how, That's how I thought. Everybody wants to get better, right? That's how me and my father thought about it. Man, like everybody should want to come in and get better. <laughs> yeah. And you and you and you go back to what I just said, that people have a secondary gain to being in a state that they're in. You know? So a lot of people who say, Oh, we want an exception in every corner, I can't listen to that from a conscious standpoint because they're talking consciously but unconsciously their behaviors exist. That doesn't mean they're going to rush through the door to get better. Mm-hmm. Because this way, this is the same way that the physical gym, 80% of gym memberships, they don't even go. So the 20% of the people who go pay for the 80% who don't go. We all know how to go to the gym and get six packs. There's so much information about how to do all of this, but why don't we do it?
0: That's so right? true. Yeah. Because this is a psychological
1: game. This is a neurological game that we're playing and people don't understand that. So that's why it's not, you know, people want something that's going, that's why drugs is so easy, you know, easy to go down that rabbit hole because if you take a pill and you feel better, right, I feel better. So that's great. But now you got to keep taking it and now your body builds a resilience to it. Now you got to take more to feel the same thing that you felt from early on. So doing that, doing the inner work is not really, um, it's not cute. That's why we named it Mental Health Gym. It's work involved. When you go to the gym, you're literally, you're literally tearing down your muscles to get so that your body can you create an adaptive response so that your body can grow muscles. Really, muscles is nothing but a defense mechanism, uh-huh. right? Your muscles are saying, "Hey, we're not going to experience that again, so let's grow," right? So think about that same type of thought process again. That's where we go back to the soft traumas. Your brain and your body, literally all these symptoms that we experience, most 70 to 90% of doctors' visits are due to stress-related illnesses. Over 500,000 people a year die from cardiovascular disease, which is heart attacks. Mm
0: -hmm. All
1: that's stress and trauma related.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? But we look at it as our body having some type of deficiency. No, it's your body not being able to adapt anymore. It can't support you in the same way. The same way, if you kept, if someone kept loading bricks on the roof of your house every day, eventually that roof is going to collapse. Obviously, this is like kind of common sense, but in our system, it's not a real common sense approach because we're into sim- symptom chasing. You ever, you ever went to, you guys have Chuck E. Cheese where you are?
0: You ever went to Chuck E. Cheese? I think I've been once.
1: <laughs> so as a, as a kid, you had that little game, that little mole game, and you try to hit it, and then it ducks. down. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. To, that's 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 symptom chasing. Oh,
0: you're, you're, I. You're see.
1: grasping for. You're trying to hit the things, and it's like, oh, too late, you missed it. Like mm-hmm. that little guy on the fish things. Like, oh, he almost got it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Like, almost got that dollar, but the but the true health and healing is is doing the work and doing the internal work to get the systems back. Engage. Let's take it out from an esoteric wooey thing. It's just your body has systems. And once you understand your your nervous system, once you understand your cardiovascular system, once you understand your endocrine system, understanding these systems and how they work when there's threat involved in it, that changes the whole game for you. Now you're just not a victim to just stimulus.
0: That's so interesting. I mean, it's, it's funny because so much of what I think what you're saying is like the correlation between mental health and physical health, which I talk about, you know, a lot considering I have a mental health podcast, but just earlier today, my friend told me this statistic, which is insane. And I can't believe I've never heard it, but it said something like 45% of suicides of um, the people... Had been to their primary care physician, like within the past month, like that is mm. insane. That means you know, like so, something was wrong with them physically, and it was obviously connected emotionally. Like yes, that's just the but, I've but, never but they heard don't it make like
1: that connection to it.
0: Yeah, yeah they-,
1: they won't make. And I've worked with people who are suicidal, and, and literally days you see life in their eyes because when you're because you, again. Suicide is not just a psychological thing, it's neurological. You feel suppressed. And oftentimes the people so what we used to see on brain maps, we used to see we can see if a person was in freeze response. And the freeze response is when you're in a reptilian part of your brain, it's the last dish effort to survival. Mm -hmm. So your brain will literally numb you out and create opiates within the body that numbing. You ever felt anything where you felt disassociated for a moment, like your light flashed before your eyes? That's your brain going into freeze response. Wow. So people who've had like abandonments and things that's outside of their control where they have a sense of helplessness, right? Fight or flight is not an option. I can't run or flee this situation. So if I get, you know, something drastically happens and I can't run or flee, the best thing my body's going to do is to shut down. So a lot of people who've been, you know, in the world of, um, you know, people who suffer, you know, rapes and molestation, they, they go through this process of like, why didn't I fight back? And it's like, I want to tell those people, you're not weak. You didn't fail. Your brain and your body did exactly what it thought it would do. It needed to do to help you survive. So it disassociated you. So where you didn't feel as much. The problem is when those events are over, you're stuck. And freeze. So now you don't feel. So when we used to see that on brain maps, I mean, I can see it in imbalance clear as day. And I used to ask people sometimes based on what I saw, or I have not even ask them, I would say, people who typically are in a freeze state, deep freeze, they become cutters because they're trying to feel. Right. And then I, I said this to one client, she literally showed me her arm. Wow. I knew no history of her cutting, I didn't see the cuts on her arm. I'm looking at the data on the screen for the brain app. Literally, she feels that. Wow. So what happens when a person comes up out of freeze? Animals go into freeze when they're getting chased by a predator. They call it playing possum, right? Yeah, so yeah. So when, when a predator is gone, they'll begin to shake. And they'll discharge the energy. And guess what? They go on their way. And they don't have post-traumatic stress because the animal knows how to discharge the energy that was used during the survival uh, event, us, we've stopped that. Like if we start to shake, we're like, "Hey, calm down, relax, it's okay." Or they'll 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 inject you with something. It's nerves. No, it's your body trying to regulate because energy cannot be created or destroyed, it only can be transformed. So think about this: if you're going to freeze and you're not locked like this, that's energy that you're using to lock in. Mm-hmm. So in order to come out of this, what has to happen? the energy has to dissipate. So we see energy dissipating all the time, crying, screaming, you know, laughing. Yeah. Some people vomit. Some people use the bathroom on themselves because the body's trying to trying to normalize. Yeah. And that's what happens when you do, I'm not sure you're familiar with any of the um, psychedelic things like ayahuasca. Many people are going to the Peru to do ayahuasca and the ayahuasca ritual. They'll vomit and they'll throw up. I mean, that's the same. They'll vomit and they'll shit (laughs) on themselves. It was like because it's like the body trying to purge.
0: Yeah. That's so so interesting. So when your clients come in, like, what types of services do you offer? Because, I mean, like, are they sitting down getting their brain mapped or, like, and also, you know, going to, I don't know, like a meditation center? Like what is, what um, are so your services have, offer? What services do you have, offer?
1: We have over six different services. Now I moved away from brain mapping because after seeing so many brain maps, we know what the problems are. Yeah. Like it's clear as day. So we use a system that's able to uh, look at the brain in real t- time and give the brain information so that the brain can change itself without doing anything invasive without you ingesting anything, without you talking to anyone. So that's one of our first, and that's brain training is what we call. So we do these things within a, what we call a circuit. So we do circuits of sessions, kind of like the gym, you do a circuit session. You do a circuit of three different uh, technologies, uh, healing services, in 90 minutes. So we have one, it's called the brain-body balance circuit. It's a mouthful, but <laughs> what it's doing, what you have is brain training, and next you have what's called the flotation therapy. So flotation therapy, you're in a you're in a zero gravity environment because you have a thousand pounds of Epsom salt dissolved into a foot of water. And because of that Epsom salt count in there, you become buoyant. But the other side is you get to turn the light and the sound off. And for some people that's pretty scary. So some people keep the light on, but I always encourage people to go towards the darkness. You know, that's you were born, you were made in nine months of darkness, like that place of no stimulus it creates a digital detox environment where now your brain doesn't have to process light, sound, or the biggest thing that's just pressing upon you at all the time is gravity. Yeah. So if your brain doesn't have to process these things, it becomes an easier way for you to do what's meditation but more on steroids because now there's no stimulus coming into my body. And then also 80% of Americans are magnesium deficient. So you absorb the magnesium. So you're getting this mineralized bath and a floating meditation along with a digital reduction of stimulus. Our nervous system is craving for disconnection. So all of our our first brain-body balance technologies, they disconnect you, help the nervous system to find balance, go into that parasympathetic rest and digest, all without ever having to even talk to anybody. Now, again, energy cannot be created and destroyed, right? So stuff comes up for people. People come out of these services. They're crying and things of that nature. Some people will, I do advise them to have either a therapist or a coach or someone who's a really good empathetic friend who can listen to you now begin to share the story because now you want to because it's trying to come up.
0: So yeah. we do that
1: and then we do a circuit that has to do with detoxification because that's the other end is that many of us don't think about. Our lymphatic systems are overwhelmed. You know, you can walk outside and get hit with car exhaust and you don't even know that your lymphatic system has to process through all of that. You know, the the toxins in the air, the toxins we drink in our water. So think about the lymphatic system as the waste sewage system of your body. So imagine if every Monday passed, our, our Monday is garbage day, and I just didn't take out the trash for the next four or five weeks. What would happen? eventually the smells that becomes almost neurotoxic like you know to your body so now is my mental health great no just because there's an un there's unresolved energy within the house that has to dissipate or in my body you know with the lymphatic system so they go hand in hand you know the physical to the mental emotional spiritual they all work together so we use both of those packages in that way to bring you to a more stable level of homeostasis. But we have people where you can come in and do one circuit if you want. That's great. But if you want to load up, like I had a young lady come from Bahamas and she spent two weeks here, one circuit a day, right? Mm -hmm. for, For that two weeks. Before she came, she went to her psychiatrist. She went to her therapist. She went to all of them. And none of them can help her. She came up here by the time she left and went home. She thought she was really good when she left from here, but it's not until she went back into her environment, everybody saw the difference in this person and was amazed, you know. And it was like, what is? What did they do to you? It's so, like, no, mm-hmm. you just got back your natural ability to be you.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, so we're just
1: giving you giving. We're not. We're not healing you. it's your body healing you? It just needs help. It needs support. And our tools are supportive tools.
0: I love that. Actually, I've done floating once. It was a while ago, but Mm -hmm. it was a really cool experience. It was like, because I'm, I'm a type of person who has a lot of trouble meditating. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I know you're supposed to acknowledge the thoughts and let them pass, but Mm -hmm. I just, I, I need to work on it. But being forced to literally not do anything and be, you know, as you said, supported by the water no light, no sound, like, it was pretty, pretty awesome. I I should do that again.
1: <laughs> so my first float session, I had like a mild panic attack. Oh, really? Yeah. And because, you're stuck I mean, in the egg?
0: Yeah,
1: you know, <laughs> I was out, no, I wasn't in a float pod. I was in a float, I was in what's called the Oasis tank, which is like this box, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it had, it had humidity issues and I really couldn't breathe. So I kind of freaked out for a moment, but I had already read Michael Hutchinson's book of floating and because I had looked at brain patterns all that time, by the time I got that book and by the time I went to do that service, I had a different understanding that most people would look at it as just some novelty thing to do for floating. Mm-hmm. I looked at it as I can, because because um, actually uh, Michael Hutchinson in the book talked about uh, programming, reprogramming the subconscious mind, because when you're in a float tank, you go into what's called a theta wave state. The theta wave is that meditative state, but that's where that subconscious lies and you can begin to do super learning or reprogramming yourself. Um, so I I took it upon myself to float every day for 35 days. Wow. For an hour to 90 minutes, and that totally changed my life. That's After so crazy. After the fact of doing so many different other modalities. So that right there, Joe Rogan, if you're familiar with me, he talks about mm-hmm. floating as being one of the biggest uh, contributors to his... Uh, his, self, his, his his well-being and his mind. And I understand that because I spent a lot of time in the darkness doing nothing or doing nothing and really getting in touch with something greater than beyond myself, which really was like such a relief. Not having to deal with all the stimulus from the outside world and everything that's being pressed upon you about what you should and who, who you should be, but getting in touch with who you are. Like, who am I? Well, in, in order to get in touch with that, I have to go through and shed all the limitations that was placed upon me that I believe. Yeah. And that's something that I believe that floating can do for you if you stick with it. But most, a lot of times, again, back to that thing where sometimes I think it's just, it's financial and I understand because it can, it gets costly. Yeah. But I was I was determined that I would do it. And I did it multiple times where I did 30 days of floating. And um, so when the pandemic hit for me, you know, I kind of wanted to freeze for a moment, and but I recognized it, was able to come out of it, and now I'm at such a place of peace where it's just, like, I think I was really just building myself up to be prepared for, you know, things Definitely. that happen. because I'm not, like, if, it's, if this happened 20 years ago, I'm not sure I, how, where I would be mentally emotional.
0: Yeah, I think about that a lot, actually. Like, I think that because I have anxiety or, like, have had anxiety and have been through depression, that... First, I feel almost less affected than a lot of my, you know, friends who haven't had to deal with that or maybe, like, you know, have had to deal with it but haven't taken the steps to work on themselves because yeah. I'm like, oh, this, like, feeling uncertain about things, like, it's a familiar feeling. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm a little used to it, but it's – it really – I mean, if there's ever a time to express the need of mental health and mental health awareness, like – it's definitely been these past couple of months and um, the ones in the future
1: absolutely and in- uncertainty is where nothing new can come from certainty
0: yeah there's will you never be
1: you already know it nothing in-, in order for something new to come there has to be uncertainty yeah
0: exactly as I was gonna say I was like is it ever even attainable like I don't think so certainty
1: and in the present in the present moment you know I think we're conditioned about certainty and uncertainty, and we have to have a good balance of both of those. And when when one is overtaking the other, you know, when you have too much certainty in your life, I say all your bills are taken care of, everything is just always amazing. You don't live a really fulfilled life.
0: Yeah, because you're you then do searching need some, for something. Some, yeah.
1: some contrast, you
0: know. Yeah, definitely.
1: That's why. That's why people go climb a mountain
0: and stuff like that it's like need some excitement (laughs) some
1: excitement yeah
0: I guess so one thing that I I'm really interested in um I mean just in general obviously mental health affects everyone but particularly men because of the stigma that surrounds mental health conditions and you know different you know Patri- like the, like a patriarchal system and like, mm-hmm. su- ma- like signs of masculinity that have been conditioned, that men have been conditioned to believe like what is masculine, what isn't, that they're just less likely to open up and they're less likely to, mm-hmm. you know, get out that energy that you are talking about because they're not willing to mm-hmm. kind of feel it. What, right. you know, how would you encourage a young man who's struggling to process these emotions and like what advice would you give to someone um, who's struggling
1: um i've always had mentors um and that's that's something being being in some type of mentorship with someone who's expressive of themselves and giving you space to be expressive space to guess what be a man who's afraid and acknowledge, I'm afraid, there's nothing wrong with your fear. And most of our issues are all fear-based,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So, but we're we're trained that you have to be strong and tough and act like everything is always good. you know, Michael Jordan was someone I, at a young age I always saw and I, I looked up to that. And he used to say, like, you know, I get nervous all the time when I go to play basketball. He's the greatest basketball player ever to most people. And he would say, "I would still get nervous, you know." So feeling your feelings and feeling the fear of what it is that you're afraid of, and connecting to people who are like-minded like you, like you want to be free, you have to be around people who are who want to be free as well, Um, and understand that you don't need many people; you need a small circle. You know, and, and cut out the noise. There's so much noise. In mm-hmm. um, our generation, this generation of this social media thing, I mean, everybody's scrolling, and you think that every, you know, we said everybody's talked about the highlight reel, and that's just really what it is. But I've always been where I really like to talk about my struggles. Like, I enjoy talking about my struggles. Like, man, this thing kicked my ass. Like, I was doing <laughs> this. Like, I like talking about my struggles because. It gives it gives me a sense of humanity to know that yeah I did struggle with this and I overcame it, or I am struggling with this and I need help. And so the biggest one of the biggest things we have issues with as being man is just asking for help. You're mm-hmm. not weak because you want help. You're weak when you don't ask for it. That's when you're weak. Exactly. You refuse to ask for it. When you whatever you resist will persist. Uh-huh. So that's where the weakness comes in at. And I've always had good women around me. And I've always been able to have good relationships with women. And I think for a man, here's another thing that could that be helpful for you. Be a man who can be a friend to a woman without needing sex.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: There's so much value in the opposite sex and connecting with them that's just on a friendship level. Not I'm in the, the friend zone and I, I'm just sitting back waiting. No, I just really enjoy your presence and talking to you as a woman. And I, there's a value in this relationship. And But as men, we've been conditioned that men can't have relationships with women. And that's not how it's supposed to be. And it's like, what are you talking about? Do you have a relationship with your mother? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Sometimes that's not true. They don't. But or if you have a relationship with your sister, you know. So I think people people help people heal, but people off, often hurt people too. So mm-hmm. you just have to find the people who are the ones like myself. I'm a I'm a someone who helps people to heal themselves. So that's what I would say. I know that's a that's a long answer, but for men, I mean. That's very important because we've been conditioned to be a certain way. And I don't think that we are by nature that way.
0: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, um, and I, and I like what you said, like, I, I also like talking about my struggles. It's, I think it, I mean, it's definitely helpful to other people because I think there's a lot of power and vulnerability, but I also think it's kind of cathartic, like I kind of like, you know, it's, it's nice to get it out and just speak words into existence and, Mm-hmm. Um, and get things off your chest, I guess, for lack of a well, yeah, better word.
1: really, that's just what it is. We have all these analogies. Get it off your chest. Oh, I'm venting. Mm-hmm. If you think about the word venting, where, where does that come from? Because we know energy has to dissipate. That's the laws of thermodynamics. That's science, along with every spiritual thing that, of, of releasing. If I cook food in a restaurant, they make you put in a hood which is like $20,000, 30000 Why? Because that's where it's venting out everything that you're cooking. Like that energy that you're cooking has to dissipate somehow. So the things yeah. that we're holding in, we, it feels good to speak about the fear. And I'm afraid because now it's dissipating. Now I'm venting it out and it's not locked into my body. So many of us are locked mentally, emotionally into the structures of our body. Have you ever heard the saying, the issues are in the tissues
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, I so, like tissue. Like I'm like pointing to my skin like that.
1: Yeah. Like the issues, the issues are in the tissues of your body. If you start getting massage, people end up crying on massage tables because where you're holding, that's where emotions lie. Yeah. The Chinese have mapped the meridian system in the body to know that even if I push on my lung point, that's the grief point. I've helped people. I've gone to push on people's lung points before. They were. Like, Holy shit, what did you do to me, man? And start crying. It's because it's just holding all that that grief within the lungs. That's why you can't take a breath.
0: Wow, that's so, so cool. So
1: all these things are mapped in the body. There's so many different things out there out of the, outside the Western world. And that's the that's the that's the journey I went down to understand a lot of alternative things. Some things are helpful, some things not so much, you know, but I find and use the best stuff out there.
0: Definitely. So I, I always wrap up with a couple of questions. Um, mm-hmm. more focused on you and just like to see what your answers would be. Um, so the first question is, do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by?
1: No, don't, don't die with your music still in you. It's a Wayne Dyer quote. I like that. And I'm a, I, I'm a dancer. Oh really? I, learned, I started I learned salsa, bachata, merengue. I started dancing a few years ago. And when I dance, literally it's like I come come to life. And it's my music, it's my expression. Remember, energy cannot be created or destroyed. Mm-hmm. So even the joy was, that's in you, it still needs to be expressed. I had a moment when I was in a float tank when it just a good thought came to me and it said unexpressed gratitude turns into grief. So the times that you should experience express gratitude to your mother or your father, one day if you've never expressed that gratitude and they pass away, think how much yeah, regret
0: that's so and true. grief you
1: deal with by not being able to, to express that to people.
0: Wow. Did you just come so, up with that? So,
1: it, it came to me in a float tank. You get amazing stuff in a float tank. <laughs> so, so that time and that day I was in a float tank and I was just weeping and I got out and I made a list of people and I started sending messages and calling people and expressing gratitude towards them because I need to, I need to get this out. This is in me. This is the music that I need to express. So yeah. that music that needs to be expressed from the, the, the good things and the not so great things, the anger. I still need to express anger. I need to express grat- sadness I need to express grief. It's when you try to suffocate any of those emotions that you become locked up. It's stored in your body. So I think that's the music that comes out of us. And don't, don't, don't live suppressed the rest of your life when you be on your death, deathbed and you, you become an old man or woman filled with regret. And that was actually on the movie Inception when it, uh, uh, Saito said that to Cobb. Uh, you know, we're going to become old men filled with regret. You don't want to do that. You want to express. So that quote for me is is
0: it. Is that the the namesake of um, of Inception, like your company? Partially, <laughs> partially. That's, That's one awesome. of my favorite
1: movies. So, and it's and it's just by the root word of a def, definition is it's the beginning of something new. And I was moving from Neuro Fitness Center to it's the beginning. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When's your birthday? Out of curiosity.
1: February fourth. I'm an Aquarius.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm into astrology, so oh, I'm, okay. I think from what I know, Aquarians like to pass on the good things that they know. I think that's what... We're very
1: human. We're very humanitarians. Yeah. At least I would say the ones who've done the work on themselves. They're very humanitarian, very um, stubborn, but only to you give us new information. Interesting. Like... Like everything I just told you can change tomorrow if you gave me new information. Oh, that's better information.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, that's why I got the idea of growth. I just want to grow. Yeah, I want to grow. You know, always so looking to improve. Always
0: improving. <laughs> um, what do you love most about yourself?
1: Just what I just said: the desire to grow and adapt. Like in this time, I've learned how to do day trading. I knew nothing <laughs> about day trading. Now I sit there and day trade by myself <laughs> when I said, I, I want to go, I want to buy some speakers. I want to start, I want to start learning how to DJ. So this life, I, I look at this life almost like, now this is going to sound weird to a lot of people, but a lot of people are starting to talk about this, the Elon Musk and uh, Neil deGrasse Tysons and other circles is that, that we're living in a simulation. Yeah. So if that's true or not, I'm still going to play it like I am and I'm going to learn and enjoy my life and not that die with my music still in me and, and doing the things I want to do, taking on new things. Remember you can't create new experiences with certainty. It's the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So when I'm, when I'm doing something new, guess what? There's a ton of uncertainty because it's new, but that's when I'm alive because I'm not good at it. So I have to, use my energy and I have to adapt and get good at it. But that's when you're really present. And when you don't, when you when you are certain about everything, you live on autopilot and you're not really present. That's why you can drive home and not even know how you got there, not even know the last five lights because your brain just guided you there. And so you could have been in your thoughts somewhere else, but when you do something new for the first time, guess what? You have to focus and concentrate and be present.
0: Yeah, that's, so that's true. that's one of the
1: greatest thing is just, my desire um, and belief in myself to um, grow and believing that I can do whatever I want to do.
0: No, I love that. That's like more people need to have that kind of a new
1: spirit, as my mom calls it.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: Like <laughs> you, you picked up a podcast. You didn't know anything about podcasting at one point, right? Now you're doing it. Now you have to adapt to it. Exactly. And now you got a smile on your face because you're talking yeah. to somebody on the other camera that you never knew before, all because you decided to take a risk, right? And to do something different. Yep. That's a that's amazing.
0: Thanks. No, I I, I mean it's funny that like looking back when I I started it, I I, I don't think a I would have been I would have believed in myself enough to start it until I was at the mental state I was back in October when I launched it and then now I mean it's the thing I'm most proud of in my entire life like I never used to think I mean I've been to a great college I got a great job like you know according to how like what others would say but I don't don't think I ever really felt proud of myself until I saw what I've been making with this podcast and the impact it's had and did like as you said like it was just it was like i've always wanted to start one why what's holding me back like why not so
1: well congratulations mm-hmm. and, and and just do keep going that's it no matter what just keep going even if it's one every 3 months yeah it doesn't matter keep going joe <laughs> rogan just got 190 million i know he's it's doing crazy what? doing what he loves to do this is talking to people exactly, so. and
0: and learning, and just meeting the like most interesting people. And Absolutely. So, my last question, which is the name of the podcast, is how do you find solace in the city? When and city can be, you know, whatever you want it to be.
1: Again, my home, I'm, my home is just really a, ref, a reflection of my home, my real home. You know, people on the street who we call homeless are never homeless. They're just houseless, right? They don't Uh have a house. But your home is the thing, the being you live in till you die. This is your home. So this home, you have to make it the solace. This is where we get it, not from in things that outside of us. So the house I live in is an extension of that. So being in my homes... And being at peace is my solace. Not nothing outside of me is that. It's the inward. Yeah. So I encourage people to to become seekers of inner fitness.
0: Awesome. And so, how can my listeners learn more about Inception? Learn more about you. I'll do a website, um, an Instagram, plug everything. Yeah, my
1: insta, my Instagram is one of the biggest ways I, I put out content, which is um, at Mister David McCuller. M-C-C-U-L-L-A-R. Uh, my Inception business page is at I underscore m underscore Inception. And our uh, website is com. So inceptionep.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Um, and bye, everyone.